0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. We are down to the final four teams of football season. Kansas City and Cincinnati rematch last year's AFC Championship. San Francisco is back to avenge their loss against the up-and-coming Eagles. The stage is set, and BetOnline has you covered with all of the props, odds, promos, and parlays for Championship Weekend. Use our promo code Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. You can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode bet online where the game starts u c c e s s h a v e s u c c e s s y e s game rich, woulda thought it was a clone yeah. odds i bad woulda thought it homegrown hunt yo the chief had to send it to my home franchise i take everybody want i take off franchise i play had to send it to my home never send it through your phone, had to get it on my own good on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a fantabulous NFL Monday once again. We've already talked about San Francisco and Philadelphia, a game that did not have as much intrigue, and now we're here to talk about kansas city versus cincinnati for my money the best football game of the season although that might just be because of circumstance and stakes and all the stuff that you add to playing nfl football at this time of year after last year every single playoff game came down to the last second with a field goal attempt We finally got one of these playoff games that came down to a last-second field goal attempt, and it was Kansas City coming out as the winner. So there's all sorts of stuff that's interesting to talk about, all sorts of legacy-defining stuff that could be pointed out later. I think the best way to work through games like this, I've figured out, is to start from the end and work our way backwards because the end seems to be the more important stuff and working our way backwards through all of the interesting parts of the game are also interesting and exciting as well. So first thing that we're gonna do here, point out the fact that Joseph Osai committed and unnecessary roughness hit out of bounds at the end of the game that moved to the Kansas City field goal attempt 15 yards closer that is the end of the conversation we are not going to disparage that man we are going to empathize with him in an incredibly difficult situation he was uncontrollably crying on the field as soon as the field goal was made sitting on the bench for about 12 minutes after the fact We're not gonna do anything other than empathize with him in an incredibly difficult situation. And now we move on. So Kansas City in a twenty to twenty football game, that was a twenty to twenty football game for pretty much all of the fourth quarter. I mean, Cincinnati scores that touchdown with Samaje Pirine with thirteen thirty-five to go in the fourth quarter. So like after that, there wasn't a lot there wasn't any scoring until the end of the game. Man, it was so interesting for a game with no scoring at the end because Kansas City gets the ball in a 20 to 20 game with 13 minutes to play and then we have the phantom fifth down that gets Kansas City a first down which by the way as I'm watching this game I notice in real time when Ron Torbert makes the announcement where he's, it's a, a third and nine, and if you remember the play before was second and nine, where Mahomes is going to the ground, and he chucks it all the way to the sidelines for McKinnon, and it falls incomplete. Torbert says out loud, the game clock and the play clock will start on my signal. There were 10 seconds on the, the play clock, there was uh, whatever it was, 1029 left on the game clock, And he said, both clocks will start on my signal, which they did, despite the fact that only the play clock should have started. And at that point, the back official runs in and stops a play that ends up playing all the way out to a fourth and four, which then becomes a third and nine for Cincinnati, because Ron Torbert messed up when he made the signal to the officials to wind both clocks. A very interesting predicament that I observed, identified in real time. And when they said they were going to go back for third and nine, I thought that it was actually the the case that I thought it was, which was oh, they stopped the play because they made a mistake in real time. I was thinking when Kansas City got stopped on fourth and four. In real time, I thought, are are they really going to get away with the fact that the clock started winding and we're just going to decrease five seconds from the clock? And in actuality, the answer was no, we didn't end up doing that. but The end result was that because of the mistake, Kansas City got a phantom fifth down, as I think Rich Eisen called it on Twitter. And that was a super interesting situation. And again, I've said ever since the Rams-Saints-NFC championship game five years ago, I'm never going to criticize officials for bad calls or misjudges. It's a difficult position to find yourself in. And in this position, Torbert had a brain fart on the starting clock, which he kind of owned up to after the fact he was kind of like, yeah, we're going to rewind the clock. Zach Taylor was getting pissed at him on the sidelines and he was taking it because, yeah, Ron Torbert kind of messed up that situation. And it was funny to watch. And again, I'm not going to be like, oh, my gosh, the refs leaned it one way or the other way. Like, there's mess ups. They happen. It's imperfect science. And that's okay. Okay. The Rams-Saints-NFC Championship game, they missed a face mask on a Jared Goff touchdown right before. Usually it evens itself out, and if it doesn't, you can be like Sacramento Kings fans and hold on to the grudge for 20 years, or you can just accept that it's human error. The same reason we're not going to crush Joseph Osai is the same reason we're not going to crush Ron Torbert for making that mistake in that moment, like I'm sure a whole lot of people are going to do about officiating, because God knows people love to... Uh, have I believe the phrase I saw in one group chat was a, a public execution of officials, which is, uh, you know, something that feels out of your control. And because it's out of your control and identifiable, people go a little crazy when it comes to officiating stuff. So that was just a super, super interesting situation that didn't end up having an impact on the game because Kansas City ended up punting on the very next possession after the defensive holding call for Eli Apple when they got a sack on Mahomes. It was super interesting to watch this play out where Kansas City just couldn't move the football. At one point, Jim Nance brought up, it at the end of the first half, when Kansas City got the interception of Joe Burrow, and I know we're going backwards a little bit here, but it's relevant to what we're talking about here with the phantom call and Kansas City's offense stagnating. When Burrow throws the first interception... It's 13-3, to three and there are, I'm looking at the time on the clock, there's 2 minutes and 22 seconds left on the first half game clock. So there's a very real scenario where Kansas City scores a touchdown to go up 20-3 to three and gets the ball out of halftime, or Kansas City holds the ball, kicks a field goal before halftime to go up 16-3, to three, and then they get the ball coming out of half. And what ends up happening with a 13-3 game in that situation is Kansas City just needs to pick up one first down to get into field goal range because they start at the Cincinnati 39. Now, a 56-yard field goal was out of the question with the crazy wind in this game. They kept talking about how they weren't trying anything longer than 50 yards for most of the game. Kansas City's decision to punt in that moment because they couldn't get a single completion, they went incompletion, 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 To then punt to the Bengals, the Bengals get a field goal before halftime that almost turned into a touchdown. I mean, they they were at the four-yard line when they kicked that field goal with four seconds left in the half. To go from potentially going up 16-3 or 20-3 to have it be 13-6, then to come out and commit another three and out where they go two-yard run, one-yard loss on a pass and then incomplete pass on the first drive coming out of halftime, Like that's a situation where Kansas City's offense that could usually do whatever they wanted, and Jim Nance brought this up on the broadcast, they didn't complete a first down for 61 minutes of real time. For an hour of real time, Kansas City did not pick up a first down. And part of that was halftime, and the other part of it was After the touchdown from Mahomes to Kelsey that was the improvised fourth down play, after that they didn't move the ball at all. And this counters the Cincinnati Bengals at the beginning of the game going punt, punt, and having zero yards of offense in the first quarter. The Bengals having zero yards of offense in the first quarter, combined with three consecutive dropbacks in which Joe Burrow gets sacked in the first quarter, like combine those with Kansas City's hour-long drought without picking up a first down, and they kind of even themselves out. And this felt like a giant theme of the entire game was they just evened each other out. Because Kansas City, after holding the Bengals to zero yards in the first quarter, they ended up with a 3 nothing lead. Then they got the ball late in the first quarter, and they ran— well, I guess it wasn't late in the first quarter. It was middle of the first quarter. And they ran a 6-minute and 18-second field goal drive. Then the Bengals got the ball, and they ran a 6-minute and 22-second field goal drive. So both teams, once they ran through, uh, as Tony Romo called it, their like, scripted plays— Once both teams went through their scripted plays, the game plan was six-minute field goal drive, six-minute field goal drive, and obviously both teams would like those to end in touchdowns, but they got in the red zone and their defenses held. I'm trying to remember the the plays that ended up holding. Um, Kansas City's was a touchdown that got called back on a uh, holding call. The Bengals won uh oh yeah it was just the 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 pass where they were looking for um Hurst in the end zone and it ended up falling incomplete um remember it hit him in the hand but Justin Reed was in coverage so like he couldn't get the second hand on it it was a fader to the left uh, back left of the end zone um but they got to stop like both teams they got into the red zone six and a half minute drives and they got to stop and then coming out of that Kansas City ran A touchdown drive. Then the Bengals ran a four-minute touchdown drive to start the third quarter where it felt like they were pretty much trading. The way the offenses ran, they were pretty much identical. Kansas City's touchdown drive, eight plays, 75 yards, four minutes and 43 seconds, ending with the improvised touchdown to Kelsey. Then the Bengals' touchdown drive, eight plays exact same as Kansas City 62 yards a 13 yard difference 3 minutes 35 seconds which is a minute difference in drive time and ended with a T Higgins touchdown over Watson where he just like just physically over uh, outmatches Watson in coverage and the whole theme of this game is trading four-minute touchdown drives, trading six-minute field goal drives. Uh, The Bengals went an entire quarter with zero yards of offense. Kansas City went 61 minutes of real time without picking up a first down. Both of them were playing such an even chess match the entire game that it felt like you were watching the same teams play offense. And that's something that I hadn't been able to say with Kansas City, even when they were losing to Tom Brady in 2018 or losing to the Tom Brady's Bucks in 2021 or losing to the Bengals last year where Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid both threw up on themselves and then Terry Hill slipped in the throw up and they lost the game. Like even in those matchups, it didn't feel like they were matching offensive wits except for when the Bengals went berserk on offense in week 17 last year. This time, Kansas City and Cincinnati felt like they were doing the same things on offense and defense. Joe Burrow got sacked five times, and that was obviously a storyline of the game with the offensive line. Mahomes got sacked three times, and it was four because, remember, they had a sack by uh, B.J. Hill that got called back on the Phantom fifth down because Eli Apple got a hold. So really, if you count that, you're looking at five sacks for the Bengals, four sacks for Kansas City. Um, the the Burrow interception could have been a big deal to change the game in the first half, and then you go into the third quarter, and right when Kansas City is starting to pull away with an eleven play, six minute touchdown drive, then the Bengals punt because they get a penalty and a sack that ends up bringing. Uh, I mean, it was a thirty yard swing. That's the other thing that changed the game. So then when it's twenty to thirteen, the Bengals lose thirty yards. On a holding call, it was a 20-yard completion to Chase called back on penalty, and then they had to punt. So they get a 30-yard drive-killing penalty, and then Kansas City, on that same punt, gets a 30-yard drive-killing penalty, because Sky Moore returned it to the 35-yard line of the Bengals with a chance to go up 10 points. They got a 30-yard penalty that killed the drive, and then Patrick Mahomes fumbled the ball in a totally crazy way that we've never, literally never seen Patrick Mahomes do. He has never had a fumble in a playoff game in his career. And so the fumble for Mahomes mirrored the interception by Burrow at the end of the first half. the The penalty on the hold and the drive into the ground on the punt that cost Kansas City 30 yards mirrored the 30-yard penalty right before by Jamar Chase. The six-minute field goal drives, the five-minute touchdown drives, the turnovers, the penalties, the whole game felt like they were mirroring each other. They were doing the same things. A little bit different because of personnel. Cincinnati had these three receivers who were all active and involved in the offense and opened the door for Hayden Hurst. Meanwhile, Kansas City loses uh, Kadarius Toney, loses Juju Smith-Schuster, loses McCole uh, Hardman early in the game. All of them were gone by the um, the 11-minute mark of the second quarter. And Kansas City changes the way that they run their offense. And the running game for both teams was totally stagnant all throughout. And that was another big part of the game where they were mirroring each other. Bengals running backs in the game had 13 carries for 41 yards, which is an average of 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, Kansas City's running backs gave them 17 carries for 34 yards, an average of 2 yards per carry. Both teams couldn't run the football to save their lives. Burrow got sacked five times. Mahomes got sacked four, three that counted. They were just playing such a mirror image of each other the entire game. It was so interesting to watch. And such a fascinating football game because both teams were just so skilled. It wasn't like they were running six and a half minute field goal drives because their offenses were bad. They were running six and a half minute field goal drives because it's what their offenses necessitated. And the stakes added to the storylines and the matchups and it was such a fascinating back and forth all the way throughout. And as it's 20-20, to it feels like Kansas City has let so many opportunities slip to close out the game. But just in the same breath, the Bengals had these same mess-ups at different times, and so it felt like the Bengals were chasing from behind the entire way because their quarter of sucking on offense came in the first. Meanwhile, Kansas City's came between the second and third Burrow's turnover came in the second quarter. Meanwhile, Mahomes's came at the very end of the third when they had a chance to go up 10 points and essentially put the game out of reach. Because of timing, it felt like the Bengals were chasing and Kansas City had the opportunities to put it away, which fits perfectly into the narrative that's built between these teams, which is comeback kid Joe Burrow. He's led three comebacks against Kansas City, and damn if it's going to happen again. And Kansas City, the team that's totally overwhelming, knows what to do when it's scripted, but when push comes to shove, Andy Reid's going to mess up clock management, and Mahomes is going to fumble in a big circumstance, and this is where the the cool, calm, and collective Joe Burrow is going to make the comeback, and everything was fitting into the narrative, and the matchups were so interesting And this game was so exciting. And then we get back to the fourth quarter as we worked backwards and now get back to the fourth quarter. You find this incredibly interesting touchdown drive for the Bengals that ends with Samaj Pirine rushing into the end zone, but they get incredible field positioning and Kansas City, I mean, they go for it on fourth down and they take the top off to Jamar Chase on the first play of the fourth quarter where Chase is double teamed and he has a little up and go route. Uh, not an up and go. What I don't know what the route's called where you go up and then you make a slight slant and then you just keep going straight to head fake off the safety, but it worked. Jo- Jamar Chase beat double coverage. There was a perfect camera angle of the two uh, defenders just looking around like, what, what? Ugh. And they just got beat deep and the Bengals scored a touchdown. And then the phantom uh, the phantom fifth down play that gives the ball back to the Bengals. And in that moment, you're starting to think, like, okay, this is where... And if you'll remember, at this point, they had, a, I believe, a first and 19 at the nine-yard line because there was a holding call on, on an offensive lineman. And they got six yards, and it was second and 13. And then Burrow had that, that design run play. Remember when they, they, um, Burrow ended up just taking the snap and scrambling and he ended up picking up a long first down. There were two of them, actually. He had one on third down, uh, that I believe was on the, uh, I believe it was on the drive right before or right after that. But anyways, point being like Burrow has a second and 13 where he ends up rushing for the first down. And it's like, Oh man, look, the Bengals are doing the thing where it's first and 19, but they can pick up the first down and Kansas City's going to uh has three rookies trying to guard these star receivers and no matter how much you double team, you're still not going to be able to stop them if you pressure with four and it was so interesting to watch that chess match and then you had the interception where they tried to run the same play that worked on the last drive, except now they're going T. Higgins deep inside the 20, and it gets intercepted off a tip to the guy who's double-teaming, T. Higgins. So it's tipped by Kansas City, intercepted by the guy who's double-teaming. And with at this point, there's uh, just under six minutes left in the game. I think it's like 6.50 or sorry, just under seven minutes. I think there's like 6.50 on the clock at this point. And in my mind, as someone who wants Kansas City to win because I want good things to happen to Mahomes, and as someone who's just a football, you know, someone who understands football X's and O's better than 95% of the people watching, in my mind, I'm saying this got to be the last drive. 6.53 to go. Bengals have two timeouts at this point. This has to be the last drive for Kansas City. They have to do the thing that they're capable of, which is every single time they get the football, they can do what they want on offense. This has to be the last drive of the game for Kansas City because you're working with a quarterback with one ankle. three top Your three top receivers are down. Your starting running back is gone, and Jerick McKinnon has disappeared. The running game is giving you two yards per carry. This is where you need to hold the ball for the last possession of the game. And Kansas City does this right away. It's a run play to Pacheco that knocks 35 seconds off the clock. The completion to Marcus Kemp, who someone I didn't even know was on the team until this game because they lost their three top receivers in the middle of the game. So they're running out of two tight end set. Kemp gets that long completion. They run another uh, 30 seconds off the clock. Sky Moore gets a catch that runs 40 seconds off the clock. Then they have an incompletion. Then the Pacheco play where they missed a tackle that led to a big first down. And then they run another uh, 40 seconds off the clock. And then with four minutes to play, just outside of field goal range, the offense stagnates. And when I'm watching the offense stagnate, the first play I think was a negative run play, but in my mind I'm like, okay, you get a negative run play, it's second and 12 or second and 13. They're also in four down territory, so in my mind I'm thinking that this is like a first down play for Kansas City. And then on the next play, it's a design run for Mahomes where he gets stopped by Joseph Asai. And now it's 3rd and 12. And I'm like, mm, ugh, it's not a good situation to find yourself in. Because 3rd and 12, you got to get a first down to get into field goal range. Because at this point, it's the 41-yard line. And then there's the penalty that originally gets accepted. And then Zach Taylor, someone got in Zach Taylor's ear and was like, don't accept the penalty. Don't accept the penalty. It's 3rd and 22. They're going to punt anyways. And they did. They they ended up going back and declining the penalty, once someone got in Zach Taylor's headset about what the smart decision to do was. He just instinctively accepted the penalty to do third and twenty-two at midfield. They also had fourth and eight at the thirty-seven, and Kansas City wasn't about to kick that fifty-four-yard field goal and give Cincinnati a short field. And by the way, the the um the the punting index that uh, is a great Twitter account um talking about. The, the cowardliness of punts, that was actually a ninety 99%, nine a 99.9% cowardly punt done by the Kansas City uh, offense and Andy Reid with two minutes left to go. It's a surrender index is the account on Twitter. And they put out that KC decided to punt from the Cincinnati 37 on fourth and eight with 236 remaining in the fourth while tied 20 to 20. This punt ranks as the 99.9th percentile of cowardly punts this season and the 99.9th percentile of all punts since 1999. Which Kansas City didn't have much of an opportunity there with the context of the game. And at the same time, it was an incredibly, incredibly cowardly decision. But one where they were stuck in no man's land and they're expecting the defense to get a stand and prevent not even a 94-yard drive, just prevent a 70-yard drive to get them down the field, and they chose to punt, and I can't fault them for punting, even if it's a cowardly decision, because the reason it's such a cowardly choice is because of the kicking, and you're not going to kick a 55-yard field goal with those conditions in order to tie the game. It's just such an interesting chess match, and one that I can appreciate now that I'm not totally distraught about a Kansas City loss, which I don't think I would have been that distraught. I just wanted Mahomes to win. I kind of just said that for joking purposes. Like, Kansas City, in that moment, I'm like, oh, man, they're giving Burrow the ball. And Burrow's giving off those Tom Brady vibes, of course, because it's, you know, everyone's got to connect the dots between Joe Burrow and Tom Brady, because he's not as talented or skilled, but he does the reads and progressions and little details well, and he's a winner. All those things we talk about with Tom Brady. But anyways, that thing is happening where Burroughs got the ball and they keep going to Chase and they keep going to Higgins even though they're in double teams and they just keep making those plays over and over again. And you feel like it's going to be a repeat of 2018's AFC Championship game. And then, 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 third and 16. Third and 16. I just kept saying it over and over. Third and 16. Third and 16. Third and 16. They were at the Cincinnati 10 yard line. They got an intentional grounding on Burrow. There's one minute to play. Third and 16. And they converted with Hayden Hurst on a busted coverage. That was just one of those moments where if you've been watching Kansas City football closely enough over the last five seasons, man, this happens a lot. (laughs) It's hard to guard these top offenses. And when you have a perfectly mid defense like Kansas City has had, for those who don't know, Kansas City in 2018, their defense was ranked 30th in the NFL. The Super Bowl year, they were ranked ninth. 2020, they were ranked, I believe, 20th. I don't remember what their ranking was last year in DVOA. This year, they're ranked 17th. Kansas City has had a perfectly mid-defense for five seasons. And that perfectly mid-defense, in that moment, gave up a 3rd and 16, the same way Gronk converted every 3rd and 10 in overtime. The same thing again. The same way Josh Allen went down the field with Gabe Davis with a minute to go. That perfectly mid-defense gave up a perfectly mid-drive that allowed a third and 16 to get converted. And then they got to third down again. And in my mind, again, I'm thinking, uh, at this point, I think there's 45 seconds left, and the Bengals are about 40 yards away from field goal range. In my mind, I'm like, this feels like when Gronk kept completing every third and long, because it was third and 16, Now it's third and eight. There's a minute to play. It's a tie game. Field goal wins it. And Chris Jones got the sack. And Chris Jones got the sack that took the pressure off of it as someone who wants good things to happen to Patrick Mahomes, as someone who owns one jersey and it's Patrick Mahomes, and as someone who, if you've heard my Joker origin story on this podcast, Patrick Mahomes changed my relationship with football for a generation of or for a, a an entire 5-year period of my life I call it 4-year period cuz it was 2018 through 2021 like Patrick Mahomes changed my relationship with football and becoming this analyst person and then going to college and watching Kansas City win over and over through a pandemic and my freshman year dorm watching them win the Super Bowl and, you know, just really wanting good things to happen to Patrick Mahomes. And so as someone who wants Kansas City to win because of all the joy that Mahomes has brought me in this weird sports space, the pressure is off after Chris Jones gets that sack. And that's such an interesting feeling for a game that had been so evenly matched where the pressure... I mean, both teams are doing the same, like I said, six minute field goal drives, trading five minute touchdown drives, trading quarter stretches where they don't pick up any yardage. Like, as both teams are playing so perfectly evenly matched, it felt like the pressure was off after that moment. And with 41 seconds, you're not, or I think it was uh, 30, 30 seconds at this point, you're not expecting. Kansas City to like march down the field the way they did with Tariq Hill throwing up the deuces last year but you're still expecting them to be able to get into field goal range in 41 seconds and Sky Moore returns that punt up past the 40 yard line and Kansas City gets that chance Mahomes scramble drilling for the first down getting the 15 yard penalty on a sigh that being the thing that gets them the field goal distance to win the game and get them to the Super Bowl. But win or lose the Super Bowl, like the fact that Kansas City played the greatest football game any of us have seen, or at least I've ever seen, last year, and then they didn't make the Super Bowl, and somehow that's going to discredit them in the grand scheme of the the football-loving lore... Like, Kansas City puts themselves in a position where just getting to the Super Bowl means the season's going to be remembered in some sort of arcana or history. And while I don't need that to know how great Kansas City is, or I can remember football seasons beyond just who made it to the Super Bowl, in the grand scheme of things, just having Kansas City chalked up as AFC champion again for the third time in four years— when they've made it to five consecutive AFC championship games and we've seen the legendary, it just makes it a little bit easier on the narrative writing of football, but also man, just getting to the Super Bowl with this team, a team that was less talented than Buffalo, a team that when you took away their top three receivers and put their quarterback on one leg was equally as skilled as the Cincinnati Bengals and was having this incredible chess match to have them win one of those coin toss games at the end with that field goal, just felt like a relief, a relief off the shoulders that they got that coin toss win, that they weren't going to be dealing with two consecutive losses to the Bengals, who would have been the first team ever to win, to make the super bowl back to back years winning road playoff games against the 1 and 2 seeds which is an incredible accomplishment like Morgan from Australia said this and I agree all the way through and through nothing lost on Joe Burrow appreciate the greatness even if Joe Burrow played like shit <laughs> at the end of the day even if Joe Burrow put up the same passer rating as Josh Allen in that playoff game last week Man, nothing down on Joe Burrow for that performance. And like just walking away, the interception is going to make it look worse. That's the reason why he had the same passer rating as Josh Allen last week is because that that last punt interception is going to make it look worse. Like even as Joe Burrow played a mid game, the Bengals were in it right at the end. It was a super, super interesting, fun game. And for Kansas City to win one of those coin tosses, against a team of equal skill just felt like it felt like a little bit of a relief and I know Kansas City is in more of these games so by virtue of that they'll win more of these close games I mean they did it they did it against the the Texans when it was 24-0 they did it against uh, Buffalo last year You could kind of say the Super Bowl against San Francisco, although by the end they were up by 10 points and it wasn't really as close as it might have seemed at one point. Just to be in those moments at the end and get one of those coin toss wins that last year went against them in Cincinnati, that went against them against uh, the Patriots in 2018, Just to not have to deal with the, why can't they get the big one? Even though they've been to two Super Bowls now, and now have been to three. Just getting one of those coin toss games recently felt good. Especially because they took the L last year against the Bengals when they were on their way to three straight Super Bowls. They took the L against the the Patriots in 2018, where this game felt like it was following that same script. We were going to go to overtime and they were going to lose that one. It, that's kind of funny. In the AFC playoff, Patrick Mahomes has never lost in regulation. In the Super Bowl, they got smoked by Tampa. In every other playoff game, Mahomes has never lost in regulation. So to have them win one of those coin toss games at the end, once again, just felt good. Felt good to not have to deal with the Burrows made as many Super Bowls as Mahomes Felt good to just have that leg up after the Bengals took it away from them last year. Felt good to have three Super Bowls in four years. Just felt just felt nice. Felt nice to have that for the for Kansas City. Just takes a lot of the pressure off the Super Bowl. Because now it feels like Kansas City's playing with house money from a legacy standpoint. I'm not playing in the game. I don't have to get myself up for the Super Bowl the way that those players do. In my mind... It feels like Kansas City's playing with house money going into this Super Bowl. They made it three times in four years. Having the Bengals go back-to-back years felt like it would have discredited just how ridiculous this Kansas City run is. Not that the Bengals need to like be discredited of what they've done. What they've done is absolutely incredible. Just felt like there was going to be a discrediting of Kansas City if they didn't get this one done. And so... It felt nice. It felt really nice for them to get that one. And to win just an incredibly even chess match. Where once again, this was the first time it felt like when Kansas City played New England in 2018, Kansas City had the superior roster and lost. Last year, against Cincinnati, Kansas City had the superior roster and lost. In 2021 Probably didn't have the superior roster and lost to the Patriots in the, or the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Probably didn't in that one, but they got smoked. So like, regardless of who had the better roster or not, they got boat raced in that game. Against Buffalo last year, had equal rosters. If they had played Buffalo this year, would have had equal rosters. In fact, I would have argued Buffalo would be better. And so the reality of them pivoting from having Tariq Hill and uh, Daniel Sorensen and her Matthew, Antravarius Ward, key pieces of the previous four years, Hill being a Hall of Fame receiver, having all of those pieces depart, having five rookies in your top twelve defensive players and eight rookies in your top uh twelve uh, twenty two. Having that be the the team that gets back to the Super Bowl and reaffirms that, like, this is not a fluke, this is not a four year flash in the pan situation, that this is a team that's going to dominate for 15 years. To have that success for a third straight Super Bowl in four years, where you totally turn over the roster, go into a transition period, have the least talented on paper of the previous five teams make it to the Super Bowl, feels like a validation of what I've been saying, which is, hey, Like, we said we'd never see anything again with the Patriots. We're seeing it again. Like, the greatest defensive coach in the history of football, Bill Belichick, got a Hall of Fame quarterback, Tom Brady, and they dominated for 20 years. The greatest offensive coach in the history of football, Andy Reid, who already had that title going into 2018, got the greatest quarterback to ever play the game and they're going to run the sport for 15 years. I've been saying that as long as I've had this space to talk and analyze sports. And the data always comes up the same, man. This team is a dynasty of 15 years. We thought we'd never see the Patriots again. And we probably won't see it in terms of the championships. This is, pretty, this is as close as we're going to get. And in many respects, Kansas City is already better than the Patriots because they can't accomplish twenty years worth of stats in five years. It's just not possible. Call it six, call it seven, whatever. They just can't accomplish the the, the longevity stats that the Patriots pulled off. They can't win six championships. They can't win. Uh, they can't make it to twelve AFC championship games in six years. It's just not possible. They're on the path to accomplishing that. It's just going to take 15 years. And so in the moment, we can look at them and say, greatest five-year run in, uh, in my lifetime of any team. And that includes even possibly everyone except for that New England team from the, that made it to four Super Bowls in five years and won three and also lost one to Nick Foles. They are on that level. They've been on that level And with time, they will continue to adjust, change the roster, and still continue to dominate. It's so interesting to watch happen, and it's going to be so fascinating to watch that continue to play out, not just over the next two weeks, but over the next two years. Because now those players who are younger, they're going to start developing into stars. And if that defense can go from mid to back to that ninth-ranked defense of the 2020 Super Bowl run, or 2019 Super Bowl run, if they can get to that top 10 level like they were in 2019, or if they can even take the next step with some of those players on cheap contracts, they're going to be able to sustain Mahomes for years and years and years. And with that quarterback and that coach, and even throw in that tight end with Travis Kelsey, there's no reason they can't go back seven, eight, nine times over the next, I mean, call it a decade. There's no reason, like Mahomes has made it to five AFC championship games. No reason they can't do six, seven, eight, nine, shatter all the records that even the Patriots put up. It's going to be so fascinating to watch over the next few years. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. Celebrate greatness. Celebrate Kansas City. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.